Hey, let's say standing this moment, because we got a special guest this morning. Everyone say, woo! <laughs> Amazing! We got a special guest this morning. Uh, he's a good friend of this church. Um, we, he was just sharing with me earlier that he once preached here at when he as a youth pastor. Yep, in the youth ministry here. Uh, and the story he shared about that was he was dunking on that hoop. If you think what hoop? Well, that's because he dunked on it and he tore the hoop down. There is no hoop. It's outside. You can look at the proof because he can dunk. Uh, but he's not here to show off your, his dunking skills. Uh, we are blessed this morning to have Pastor Justin Pearson from C3 Coffs Harbour. Uh, both him and his wife Anna lead Coffs Harbour. Yep, C3 Coffs Harbour. I can't wait to say it. And we're just blessed to have you, good friend of a church. And I guess he'll share more about his story. So can we all just give him a round of applause and warm C3 Karama welcome to Pastor Justin. Oh dear. Good morning. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, let me just get set up here. You can grab a seat, that's fine. It's quite intimidating having you all stand. At least this gives me a bit more confidence that I can stand and you're all sitting. It's, it's wonderful. Hey, um, thank you, Denzel. What an awesome offering message too, by the way. Can we thank Denzel for that? Super cool. Um, just... Just so it's really clear from the get-go, um, those dunking days are long gone. Um, it's not happening anymore. As much as I would like that to be the case, it's just not happening. I am now in my 40s and my knees are in their 70s, and so it's just not going to happen at all. And I didn't break the hoop, by the way. That, was, that happened long after that. that was, I was very gentle and respectful because it wasn't mine. Um, but... Uh, it's great to be here again. I think it was about 12 months ago I was here with you guys, and uh, it's such an honour and privilege to be back. And I love to be able to be called a, a friend of C3 Crumb because I consider you guys friends as well. And um, Dan and Hannah are literally some of the best friends that my wife and I have on the face of this earth, and we are so grateful for them. Um, so why don't we... You can honour them. You should. Um, so we, we had Pastor Dan come and preach for us, like literally it's almost a year to the day, I think, um, last year come preach for us. And um, honestly, and I say this hand on heart, this side, um, truthfully, it would have to be one of the top three messages ever preached in my pulpit. And I've been in that church for, uh, gosh, like 25 years, and, and that message was easily in the top three. And look, I probably hold one and two, um, to, to be fair, to be fair. Um, but um, are you cool with three? Three's all right, though, isn't it? Yeah, still pretty good. Um, you're on the podium, so that counts for something. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, you are, I hope you know how blessed you are to have the pastors you have. Um, you do know. Wonderful. Okay, well, I'll just skip, I'll skip the first three pages of sucking up to them because um, you, already, you already get it, which is awesome. And just the fact that they have such a, a massive um, heart for God and a heart for you guys is, you know, the future is incredibly bright. So um, well done choosing to be part of this church. And if you're visiting this morning and you're going, should I join a church like this? Absolutely you should. Um, this church is a healthy church, a God-loving church, a people-loving church, and uh, you and your family would do well to call this your home church. Um, so uh, that's all I've got to say this morning. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, 
No, it's all very good. Uh, my wife sends her love. I, I, I am married. Um, that she uh, isn't here again. Um, this is twice now that she hasn't come with me. I promise you that I, I am married. Um, it's just that our eldest is a mad keen dancer, uh, much like a dad, to be honest. And um, you know what you said before about the, it's the, the ones you don't, you know, the least likely to have the best moves? Well, I'll show you something later. And uh, so she's gallivanting around doing dance at Stedfords and taking all the kids with them. So, um, yeah, pray for her. Um, but I'm here having fun with you guys, which is wonderful. God's favour is amazing. Uh, so I'm going to preach this morning. You know, I think this is, this is the last of this current season, uh, um, series you are in. But backing up for that, I, I love the... Uh, the theme you guys have had as a church over the last couple of years, and Pastor Dan's been talking to me about that, um, uh, and just the intentionality of recognizing the season God has called you in. And was it two years ago, walking in Him was the theme for the year. And then last year, building on that, walking in Him together. And then this year, taking that even further, walking Him together for others. And I just love that. I love that there is a journey, there is a a slow burn happening uh, in this church of where God is steering and taking you. And so then this series being on mission, um, it's a privilege to be able to be part of that and bring that home this morning. So I've been uh, assigned a passage. Apparently I was assigned a a bunch of passages. I only got one, sorry. Um, So um, I'm just going to preach from this one and hope that it suffices Today, So it should be on the screen, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he, being Jesus, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for a spirit of joy and life and truth to flow through this message today. Lord, would you help me get out of the way so your spirit can flow through me this morning, bringing revelation, insight, and truth to all of our lives. We thank you for your word, and as we open it today, I pray that it would give us nothing but life, love, and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So it will not take you by surprise that what we are talking about today essentially is evangelism. Um, being fishers of men is clearly talking about reaching out to people with the power of the gospel that has changed our life in order that they too might get caught in the net of God's kindness and mercy and come to their own saving faith in him. That's what this passage is talking about. Now, if I was to have a BH moment with you, um, so BH uh, there's a sort of mentor guy that I talk to and we, we catch up regularly. We have BH conversations, brutally honest, where we just talk openly and frankly and, and, and nothing is, is guff. It's all just BH. Not BS, BH. <laughs> I will bring you some BHness. Can I say that? I just did. So they can edit it in post-production. It's fine. Um, I, if I'm to be honest, I, I have, I've struggled with this... Um, this idea, this, there's been an internal wrestle in me with the idea of evangelism um, for, for many years on my faith journey. And it's not because I, I don't want people to come to saving faith in God. I absolutely do. More, more than anything else in the world, Ron, that's what I want. But the struggle inside of me is, is because I am introverted by nature. I'm, I'm shy, like I'm a shy person. And for me to do this, I've got to sort of take the grace of God to, to come and do what he's called me to do. But but when it comes to evangelism, I found it difficult because 
being introverted by nature, it's like I find it hard to have Jesus-centered conversations with, with people. And, and so, but God is doing a really good work in me, and has for, for probably the last 10 years, in, in helping me see um, evangelism in a, in a far more biblical light um, and give me a larger perspective on what evangelism actually is. And one of the most freeing uh, revelations I guess I've had in, in my Christian journey is this simple fact, and especially as a pastor, this revelation is, is revolutionary, is that I can't save anyone. I can't. Like, no matter how clever my message might be or how persuasive my argument might be, I'm not saving anybody. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. My job is to represent God well and be obedient to Him. It takes the pressure off. Um, but, but in saying that, like, I, I, I would even have this self-talk in my mind around evangelism, like, oh, it's somebody else's job. Because, you know, Ephesians 4 talks about evangelism as being like a gift. And so I go, ooh, sweet. I'll just, I don't have that gift because I'm, I'm shy. Oh. And so somebody else who's not shy, well, they've obviously got the gift of evangelism. So I say, well, I'll happily come to church early. I will serve. I'll pack up. I'll clean. I'll tithe. I'll, I'll lead a connect group. I'll do whatever I can do. But I'm not going to evangelize because that's somebody else's job. And that's fine. However, the scripture we just read this morning completely undermines the truth of that thought. Uh, it debunks that. So let's read it again. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, as I slowed down and really thought about this passage, it became clear, super evident to me. To follow Jesus is essentially to become an evangelist. When we follow Jesus... This is the good work he does in us. He makes us fishers of men. It's his plan. It's his purpose for our lives. This is essentially what being on mission means. To fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life, that when you follow him, he will make you and me fisher of men. See, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll make you a millionaire. Or follow me and I'll make you popular and influential and give you stacks of followers on Instagram. He didn't say follow me and I'll, I'll make you super fit, healthy and attractive. Or follow me and, and I'll make you super talented. He's like, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And no matter which translation you read, the same conclusion can be drawn. So I've read this morning from the ESV, but the NIV says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. NLT says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Getting a bit more fancy, the message says, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And I'm not sure, um, Pastor, if you've heard of the, the Gen ZV. Uh, no, the Gen very new translation to the Gen ZV. Um, I'll read that for you this morning. I'm sorry in advance. Um, don't do it. Okay, I'll do it. Um, any youth here, Denzel? Any, okay. She uses on a Friday. It's awesome translation. And Jesus clapped back, saying, I'm going to keep it 100. Come be my stand. Yes, we're going to slay. 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a high key show y'all how to make your squad vibe. No cap. I can just feel my teenage daughter cringing so hard right now. Bless her heart. So whichever way you look at this passage, please don't look at it that way, um, there's a cause and effect dynamic at play in this passage. When we follow Jesus, the cause, he will make us fishers of men, the effect. This is what it means, as I said, to be on mission, our purpose, our destiny. What I find interesting is that one of the very first things, this is one of the very first things Jesus says to his disciples, I'll make you fishers of men. One of the very last things he says before his ascension is to go into all the world and make disciples. Again, about mission. Again, about evangelism. Again, about reaching the world. So if it's one of the first things he says, one of the last things he says, one of the things he demonstrates so clearly through his ministry, his life, his teaching, and his nature, then we should stand to attention and go, hmm, maybe there's a role for me to play in this area of evangelism. So let's look at what that might look like practically. See, evangelism or being on mission doesn't necessarily look like tent crusades. It doesn't necessarily look like, you know, screaming at sinners on a street corner. Although if God calls you to do that, maybe don't. Um, I propose that the Bible shows us that it's far easier than that and far more practical more natural, and dare I say it, effective. Here's what I believe. If, if the Great Commission is the what, right? We are all called to go into all the world and make disciples. If the Great Commission is the what, then I believe the Great Commandment is the how. So the Great Commandment we see in Matthew 22, verse 37, where Jesus surmises God and the law and how he reveals himself and his truth into two succinct things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if the Great Commission is what we're called to do, the Great Commandment, loving God and loving others, is the how we go about doing that. So it's super practical. So here's my take. Evangelism without love is not true evangelism. Now, I initially wrote, evangelism without love is not evangelism, but I was too gutless to say it so bluntly, so I put true in there to soften the blow. But if I'm to be honest, I kind of believe that, that evangelism without love actually isn't evangelism. See, evangelism with love is participating in God's divine purpose. But evangelism without love is participating in religious obligation. Let me say that one more time. Because I'm a preacher and that's what we do. Evangelism with love is participating in God's divine purpose or your divine purpose. Evangelism without love is participating in religious obligation. Now when I look at Jesus, he did not go to the cross out of religious obligation. His sacrifice was not one of, oh, I suppose I should, Bible says that greater love has no one than this, than one who is willing to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus went to the cross out of deep love for us. That's a game changer. And I know that I'm going to read this passage. I know you've used this passage before in this series, and rightly so. It is, it is 
amazing, Matthew 9, 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pay, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. But I want to draw our attention to just the previous verse, Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. For they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Incredible. And then he says um, that the harvest is plentiful. So there are plenty of people who are harassed and helpless who are like sheep without a shepherd. And when Jesus sees them, his response is compassion. And you and I would know if we just look in our own neighborhood, our own families, our own workplaces, our, our, wherever we go, we would see that we see helpless people, harassed people, people who are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus gives us the gold standard of how to treat them with compassion. But see, compassion can only truly exist in the context of love. When my, when my son falls over and hurts himself, I feel compassion for him because of how much I love him. In fact, sometimes I get so angry because I just love him so much. I hate when he's hurt and it's like, oh my gosh. But, but I have compassion on him because of the love I feel for him. Yet conversely, and this might make me a bad person, I will happily waste time on YouTube watching you know, Fail Army uh, and people hurt themselves time and time again for my visual pleasure. <laughs> and I have no compassion on them because I don't love them. And their pain becomes my entertainment. But look, don't judge me. You've all been there. You all do that. But compassion can truly only exist in the context of love. So, allow me a bit of poetic license to use 1 Corinthians 13 as a framework as we look at what evangelism might look like when it's fueled by love. So Paul gives us a clear clear picture in in 1 Corinthians 13 of what love is and what love looks like. So if we were to use that, and if we're called to to, to fuel our evangelistic endeavours with love, well, let's look at what that might look like. So evangelism should be patient. So we go the distance with people. We do the journey. We're not quick for conversions and then we just leave as soon as they either accept or reject Jesus. It's like, no, no, we... We take it slow with people. We're patient. You know, people don't always believe what we believe, and that's okay. We're going to take time on the journey of helping people. So, so evangelism should be patient. Evangelism should be kind. should be compassionate. should be generous with people in our, in our love for them, in our serving of them. Evangelism should not envy or boast. So essentially, humility is key. In evangelism, just being humble in, in how we treat people. Um, evangelism should not be arrogant because it's not about you and you being right. It's about you loving that person and, and letting Jesus' life flow through you to them. Evangelism is not irritable or resentful. We're called to be loving, understanding, not religiously triggered, not trying to win every petty argument. We're trying to win that person through our love for them. Evangelism should not, be, uh, should not rejoice in wrongdoing. We don't compromise the truth in evangelizing. In fact, the very next part of the scripture says that we rejoice in truth. So, so evangelism should be anchored in truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we don't compromise that, but it's in the context of loving people. 
Um, evangelism should bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. There is, there is a process to evangelism that is, is, is messy and, and, and time-consuming and requires all the fruit of the Spirit for us to really demonstrate God's love in us to them. And so I love what Paul says in, in a few chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 9.22. It's like, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And I do this all for the sake of the gospel. So what Paul is saying is, I, I will, he's not talking about compromise, he's talking about flexibility. He's talking about, you know, I, I, will, I will meet people where they are at and for whatever means possible short of sinning to try and demonstrate and reveal the love of God to them so that I might see them saved, I might see them come to saving faith in Jesus. And that's what we're called to do, is not wait for people to come to us and go, if I just live a holy and righteous life, people will see God on me and they'll come to me and ask me these questions. Sure, maybe, but that's really not what we're called. We're called to go into all the world, right, um, and be fishers of men. Um, you know, a fisherman doesn't stay at home waiting for the fish to jump into his frying pan. He goes out to catch the fish. We're called to go out in love and mercy and grace and hope and, and bring people into the kingdom of God. Um, Peter throws his hat in the ring on this issue too. In 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So you be prepared. People are going to see Jesus on you. They're going to see something different about you. And be prepared to give a reason for that hope that you have that they don't, they're looking for. But when we do that, we're not doing it to win a religious argument. We do it with, um, with respect, with gentleness, keeping a clear conscience. Um, 1 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ controls us. Six verses later, we are ambassadors for Christ. So Christ's love controls us and we are his ambassadors. So we represent the love that has completely changed our life. If we don't have love, we don't have him. How can we represent him if we don't have love? It would be foolish to deliver pizza in an ice cream truck. The pizza is meant to be hot and meant to be delivered in such a way that that keeps that hot. The message of Jesus is, is faith, hope, and love. It's meant to be delivered in the context of faith, hope, and love. Um, you don't want a pizza to be delivered to your door that's cold and soggy and ugh. Sure, it's pizza, but it's not the best it can be. And so for us, it's like we are given this beautiful, hot, delicious gospel of the love of God that has transformed our life, that has saved us, that has translated us out of darkness and into light. And so we need to deliver that in the same spirit, in the same context, keep that message alive and hot in us by being love, faith, and hope to others around us. So what am I trying to say in the most clearest way possible? Um, most clearest way. My wife would rebuke that. Um, I heard myself say that. I did. I heard my wife going, really? Really? Most clearest? And then I went to my room, had time out. <laughs> Sad but true. First thing I'm trying to say is, 
God's mission is for us to be fishers of men. It's not someone else's job. That's our job. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Number two, love is the bait, Christ is the hook. Let that sink in. Love is the bait, how we treat others. Christ is the hook, he's the one that catches, he's the one that saves, he's the one that draws in. And the third thing, evangelism without love is not true evangelism. I might get the band back up, we're going to worship together in just a moment, but... I love Romans chapter 2, verse 4. For some reason, this always just resonates with me. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And when you think about your salvation moment or journey, because sometimes for people it's, it's a journey, it's not just a moment in time, but it's a process we're all on, and I understand that and I respect that. But, but through that journey or through that moment, whether you cognizantly are aware of it or not, it was the kindness of God that led you to repentance and salvation. So my question for us this morning is, how can our kindness towards others be an example of his kindness that would lead them to their salvation moment? Or how can you love others in a way that shows God's love for them? Crazy, right? How can we love others in a way that shows God's love for them? Well, let me leave you with a thought and a starting point from the words of Jesus himself in John 14, 34. A new commandment I give you. That is that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, so hold on, just pause. Talk about us here right now, right? Believers. Jesus gives a new commitment. Hey, love each other, guys. We're going to disagree on some certain things. We're going to rub each other the wrong way, but love each other. Just as I have loved you, we, the church, we, God's representation on earth, are to love one another. By doing that, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So God is glorified and God is known. The starting point of that is how the church gets along, how the church community shows love and care and kindness for one another. That's the starting point. So it starts here and then it flows out there. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because I see what you guys do. I hear the stories of what you guys do. And, and today is not, not, uh, not at all a, a correction, but more an identification and an encouragement that I see you guys loving each other well. I see you obeying Jesus' new command to love one another as he has loved us. So then let's remember that when that happens, they will all know, the world will know that we are his disciples. It's about love. It's all about love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. For Jesus so, my paraphrase, loved us, he was willing to lay down his life for us as a ransom. And so in this moment, I'm going to close this message right now. And I don't know where everybody's at when it comes to faith, when it comes to having a relationship with God, whether you are 
uh, a non-believer or on a journey of exploring God or whether you um, once knew God and sort of, you know, fallen away a little bit. But I just want to have a moment right now just to, to give us all an opportunity to think and do some, some serious reflection in our own soul about where we stand with God. And it starts with, follow me. You didn't create you. I didn't create me. There's a sovereign aspect to our existence that we have no control over whatsoever. That God has formed us in our mother's womb. Regardless of the circumstances around that, I was formed in my mother's womb by an accident. Little whoopsie daisy baby, I call myself. Don't call me Daisy though, it's just weird. <laughs> Although if I was a girl, that'd be fitting. And so when, when my mum fell pregnant, my biological father, my, my donor daddy, I call him, um, he, he bailed. Couldn't, didn't want to be a dad, so he just skipped and left. I've never seen him, never seen a photo, never met him. My entire life in 42 years, no idea who my biological dad is. Does that mean am I, am I an accident? Sure, in a biological sense, but not in a supernatural sense. God, even though the circumstances around my entry into this planet might not have been ideal, that doesn't mean that God didn't in his sovereignty foreknow that, have a plan and purpose for that. That my story be one to redeem all things to him, even though the circumstances aren't good, he can turn all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I know that I'm called according to his purposes. And I know that you here today are called according to his purposes. Are you going to step into it is the question though. Are you going to receive the love of God that he freely offers to you, that he has demonstrated fully in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son? It's because of that love that God would send his only son into the world to redeem all things to him. So following Jesus, follow him. If you, if you don't follow Jesus, don't worry about that fishes of men stuff just yet. He'll take care of that. Start with the follow me thing. Let's start there. Do you follow Jesus? Have you given your heart and affection to him as Lord and Savior? Have you received forgiveness of your sin, which has separated you from him? And then when we, when we repent and receive forgiveness, that reconnects us to God, his heart, and his divine purpose for our life. So if you want to make that decision today to choose to follow Jesus and receive this love we've been talking about all morning, I would love to pray with you after the service. I know Pastor Dan would love to pray with you. Um, after worship, come forward and, and we would love to um, meet with you and give you a free Bible and, and help you on that journey. But if you know God and have for, for a bunch of time, let me encourage you. Jesus' plan for our life to be on mission is to make us fishers of men. And we do that by loving people, expecting nothing in return, and being a, an ambassador for God and his love here on earth. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this series about being on mission. And Lord God, I thank you that you would just help us to not see it as a, a religious obligation that we have to comply with God, but we would see it as part of our divine purpose in following you and, and, and being given 
everything that we that we need to uh, that pertains to life and godliness you have given to us and so Lord we just want to respond out of obedience and love for you and say God use me help me to love others as you love me help me to be a good example and an ambassador for you God help me to live on mission with you and Lord, I pray for anyone here today that does not know you, that, that, that hasn't found uh, salvation or faith in you. Lord, I pray today that you would help them to know that it's not a 10-week course or it's not a, a program to sign up to, but it's, sim- it's a simple prayer to confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. It's a prayer of asking forgiveness of our sin and receiving his grace and mercy, which is a free gift that he lavishes upon us. So Lord, would you be with each of us this morning, no matter where we are in our journey with you of discovering you or depending upon you, Lord, that we would just experience you in this moment. Would you bless us today? Bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't we stand? We're gonna worship together this morning. Thanks, guys.
Still a small